0: Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a
1: free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash happyhealthyyou. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi,
0: everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, and for a long time I've been wanting to do a podcast on this subject. Chiropractic medicine is one of the most well-known integrative modalities, I think, that is out there now, and it's finally become accepted as a mainstream procedure, really, and insurance companies are covering it, and it's pretty cool. So I'm here with Brian Morrison, and he's a uh, graduate of Logan College of Chiropractic in Chesterfield, Missouri. He he did his residency in chiropractic family practice at Lindell Hospital at St. Louis, Missouri. He is also a clinical instructor at the University of Maryland and a member of the Integrative Pain Clinic at the University of Maryland Rehabilitation and Orthopedic Institute. He was named chiropractor of the year in two thousand five, yay, by the Maryland Chiropractic Association. And he's been in private practice for a long time in Ellicott City, Maryland, since nineteen eighty eight. Wow. Welcome, Brian.
1: Thank you, Connie. thank you
0: so much for coming on. I think you are the the expert in Maryland to talk to us about chiropractic. If you say so, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I've covered a a few different modalities, lesser known, and I think chiropractic is somewhat
1: misunderstood
0: in our culture, but it's become such a mainstream modality. I just wanted to pick your brain about it. So, tell us, what is chiropractic?
1: Well, chiropractic is a Uh, health system. It's primary care, if if you will, not primary care like your primary care physician, but we're primary access. So people don't need a referral to come and see us. And our main uh, area of expertise is musculoskeletal system. Uh, We treat neck pain, back pain, so forth. And our primary tool is manipulation, manipulation of the spine, manipulation of the extremity joints, uh, to try to restore function to the the system.
0: Yeah, and I can attest that it it feels really good.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a good side effect.
0: (laughs) It's really Weird, like you hear a lot of really weird cracks and pops and stuff, but dang, does it feel good? And I I have to say, before I started coming to your wife, who um, doesn't, well, you guys used to didn't work together now you we worked together for about
1: five years and then she took some time off to have the kids and raise the kids and went back and said "Eh, your practice is too busy
0: (laughs) so so when I I, I started seeing her um, gosh five years ago maybe and I had this neck thing I could barely turn my neck like when I was driving it was it was really not good and I had pain almost all the time and I and it's gone
1: so good for her uh, and I'm good for you
0: yeah 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 I'm I'm really hopefully
1: she taught you how to keep it that way too. she
0: she has yeah you guys do good work there so in Greek chiropractic I found this somewhere done means done by hand or manipulated it's
1: definitely a hands-on technique right. there are some instruments that people use the chiropractic but I would say probably 80 to 90 percent of chiropractors use a hands-on approach
0: okay tell us about the certification required to become a practitioner
1: Well, chiropractic uh, looks very similar to pre-med. When you start out in your undergraduate world, you tend to be science-oriented, biology particularly, and you have an interest in health and healing. So after you finish your undergraduate work, you can apply to chiropractic college. There are no MCATs for chiropractic. Um, You apply, need to have a GPA of around 3.0 to get into a chiropractic college. Um, Chiropractic school parallels medical education very closely. Uh, A lot of our instructors at Logan taught at Logan in the morning and went to University of Missouri at St. Louis and taught at the medical school in the afternoon. We use the same textbooks. We learn pathology. We learn physical diagnosis. We depart on the pharmacology side because we learn more about toxicology, the side effects and things of medicine that will walk into our office and would be confused with the musculoskeletal problem, but we certainly don't learn how to prescribe. So we spend that amount of time learning how to assess the musculoskeletal system and to perform non-drug, non-invasive treatments on the musculoskeletal system.
0: And so you guys are more of a preventive approach than, than mainstream medicine, would you say?
1: We can be, because a good part of chiropractic is educating your patients on lifestyle choices and things they can do. Um, also, if you look at uh, osteoarthritis, there's a, a very famous um, rheumatologist named Brandt who spent his life studying osteoarthritis and he states that it, the um, osteoarthritis is really a result of wear and tear in the system from poor alignment at the level of the joints. Mm-hmm. So chiropractors seek to keep the joint alignment good, keep the lubricating fluids moving around, and keep the muscles in balance so that the joints stay in balance and we can hope to minimize that wear and tear effect.
0: And chiropractic has been around for many decades Decades now, right? Tell us a little bit about the history. Wow, wow! So How did Car- it
1: start? Well, Davenport, Iowa. It's, I wish they had picked some place like Honolulu, but <laughs> Davenport, <laughs> yeah. Iowa. And uh, a gentleman named D.D. Uh, Palmer uh, was working as a, a healer. He did uh, some herbal, magnetic healing things like that, and he also sold groceries on the side. So he was kind of an eclectic guy. Mm. And one of the people that worked in his building was a janitor, and the janitor was very, very hard of hearing. And he was questioning the janitor about, well, how did this happen? How did this come about? And the janitor said, well, I bent forward to wash the steps on the building. I heard this horrific crack in my neck, and since that time, I hadn't been able to hear well at all. I can't even hear the metal uh, rims on the wagon wheels as they go by in the cobblestones on the street. So that's how hard of hearing he was. So Palmer kind of said, well, he heard a crack when he bent over and he had a model of a spine there. He said, well, maybe one of these bones is out of position, somehow affected nerves that affected his hearing. Let's see what goes on there. So he felt his neck and moved his head around and said, this seems to be out of position. So he performed the first chiropractic adjustment and the gentleman's hearing was restored. So this really set off a light bulb in Palmer, and Palmer started doing a lot of research on the nervous system and spinal alignment and the possible effects. He was influenced by some of the famous osteopathic practitioners of that day, Andrew Taylor Still is one of them, out in Kirksville, Missouri, and he developed this system of spinal adjusting, he called it, to normalize the nervous system. In those days, chiropractic functioned in parallel with medicine. Medicine was very primitive, they were still using leeches and bleeding people, and so so forth. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Palmer uh, developed this alternative health system, and he believed that misalignments of the spine causing pressure on the nerves uh, co- cure, uh, caused all manner of diseases. And so he sought to cure many, many things using spinal manipulation. And one way or another, he got good results. And so he started a school a couple years later in Davenport, Iowa, and, and it's flourished from that time.
0: And then when mainstream medicine finally caught wind of the success that uh, chiropractic was having with patients, they became a little bit threatened. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, medicine was kind of the Wild West back then, you know, there was snake oil salesmen, and things were unregulated and medical schools weren't regulated at all. And so in 1910, a guy named Flexner came around and was commissioned by the the government to kind of stabilize medical schools, to make a uniform education. And so they started to become more science-based. They felt that chiropractic was uh, unsafe, they felt it was unscientific, and they also felt it was a competition. So they really tried to keep chiropractic under control, and they denigrated chiropractic. Um, Chiropractors were actually thrown in jail for practicing medicine without a license up until the mid to late 20s or even. And even later than that, uh, I think the president of our chiropractic college, V. Hagen, actually spent a little time in prison in New York. Wow. So it was, um, it was quite a crazy time.
0: So and how did that resolve?
1: Well, in the late 70s, a group of chiropractors in Chicago actually filed an well, antitrust lawsuit. the lead chiropractor was Chester Wilk. They sued the AMA for attempting to contain and eliminate the chiropractic profession through antitrust. And that lawsuit went on for a few years, but as lawsuits go, it was not terribly long. And by 1987, it had reached a decision in a lower court in Chicago, and it went to the Supreme Court. And the decision was that, indeed, the American Medical Association had been attempting to contain and eliminate chiropractic through all kinds of nefarious methods and means. Um, For example, a physician, medical doctor, doctor could not even go to lunch with a chiropractor without being disbarred from the AMA. Wow. So all other subsets of the AMA also followed suit. The Joint Commission on Hospital Accreditation, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and so forth and so on. So they were all under this same threat of no cooperation. When the lawsuit was settled, the AMA had to print retractory statements in the American Medical Association uh, journal. They had to pay restitution to the American Chiropractic Association. And all those bans on interprofessional uh, cooperation were lifted. And in 1988, I was a real fortunate recipient of that because I got to uh, participate in a medical school or i I'm sorry, medical teaching hospital residency program for chiropractors. I was the fifth in the entire nation to be able to participate in this program. So we were uh, in the operating room doing assisting in procedures. We were doing grand rounds in rheumatology and orthopedics. Uh, We did all the intake histories and physicals in the hospital. So it really changed and it really changed rapidly. So chiropractic became something that was no longer so you know, a, a, such a threat and so uh, denigrated. So we really grew at that time.
0: Yeah, and now it's a very respected modality. And can you talk about how maybe chiropractic has affected uh, traditional medicine in a positive way? Just well, since one I've of the t- things
1: that medicine, for all the detraction and things, even in the in the worst periods of time, they always said that if we were as safe as chiropractic, we'd really be doing something. So, for example, um, you unfortunately run the risk of having an intestinal bleeding when you take something as simple as Motrin or ibuprofen. Right. And there are to 20,000 people die every year from those non anti-inflammatory drugs from bleeding to death. Um, chiropractic has a safety record, which is incredible compared to that. We live in the day and age when people are uh, talking about malpractice rates, and, and your medical doctor, if he's an orthopedic surgeon, pays close to $100,000 a year in malpractice insurance. Your yeah. family medical doctor pays fifteen to $20,000 in medical malpractice insurance. Your chiropractor pays about $1,300 a year. Yeah. So chiropractic is very safe. So they looked at our safety record. They looked at our interest in educating our patients. They looked at our interest in preventive Medicine. They looked at our interest in providing nutritional advice and information and exercise uh, and lifestyle information and really took a lot of that into medicine. So now sometimes what happens is all of a patient that's actually referred by their physician who isn't sure that the patient has a musculoskeletal complaint. And they're just asking me, is this patient musculoskeletal? Is there something else going on there that we need to look at? And that's it, a big change.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is big. And you were mentioning before the podcast that... There, there's a little bit of a um, incongruency in the amount of knowledge about the muscular skeletal. Can I say that musculoskeletal system? You can. Well Musculos. Done. Let me say it faster. Musculoskeletal system. Musculos. Oh my gosh, that's hard. You guys try to say we'll, that. We'll practice. That. Okay, okay. So uh, between traditional medicine and chiropractic, right? There,
1: there is there is quite a gap in knowledge there. Um, in 1997, the Journal of Bone and Joints Surgery published a research study that showed that recent medical school graduates failed a basic musculoskeletal competency exam 75% of the time. Wow. So they realized this shortfall as well, so medicine set out to re-engage and become more interested in uh, teaching about the musculoskeletal system, but I can tell you I teach fourth-year medical students right now uh, twice a semester, and their knowledge still isn't really where it needs to be, um, even just in basic musculoskeletal anatomy, so there's still a lot of catching up to do. Physicians that use, a chiropractor or someone that does manual medicine, musculoskeletal medicine like we do, really save themselves a lot of headaches, they don't have to worry about it. And I don't blame medical doctors for not being so boned up, if you will, on the musculoskeletal system. (laughs) Good one, good one. Isn't that good? Um, Because in in treatment room one might be someone with diabetes that they have to talk to them about the diabetes, prescribe the right medication. Treatment two might be someone who has pretty serious cardiovascular disease. Treatment three, they might have someone who's a new diagnosis of cancer. Treatment room four, this guy's got back pain. Yeah. So it really does get short shrift, even though back pain is probably the second or third most common reason people go to the physician. not having the musculoskeletal education, they don't really know how to assess it. So everybody gets 800 milligrams of Motrin, and when it gets beyond that, they get to go and get imaging, which is often a waste of time and money, or they get sent off to the surgeon. And so that's where the system kind of falls apart. And that's where we can save the system a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And it is a mind-body-spirit approach, I think, also in because we are a holistic entity, as a That's you know, right. and even if we do have cancer or diabetes, you know, the alignment of the spine is still important to our to the whole system. The physical
1: physical functioning is hugely important to your well being. They just did a study that was published on the modality Reiki. Have you heard of Reiki? Mm-hmm. You probably yes. Have I'm a
0: Reiki them. practitioner myself. Well, there you go. The
1: study just mm-hmm. showed that patients that have a cancer diagnosis have much better well being if they're getting Reiki. Um, uh, done with them concurrently with their medical treatment and this is why uh, Dr. Scalia brought Reiki and a bunch of other integrative medicine modalities including chiropractic into the integrative medicine program at Maryland and is introducing it at shock trauma.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Huge change. I love that. So, tell us, how does misalignment of the spine happen in the first place?
1: Well. Misalignment's kind of a, a misnomer, if okay. you will. It, 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 the joints become in dysfunction. They just don't move as well as they should. They don't really move from position A to position B and out of line, but they just don't work in their normal parameters. So that can happen from a variety of reasons. One is if you just look at your posture you sit at your computer all day, those faulty sustained static postures put abnormal loads on the tissue, and the tissue fails or breaks down somewhere, and this causes those problems. Being overweight can cause those problems because there's excessive load on the system. Um, Trauma, of course, slips and falls, things like that. Stress, when people get under stress, they activate certain parts of their musculoskeletal system from clenching their teeth to shrugging their shoulders to holding themselves tight or small. (laughs) Everyone does that, and so all those things manifest in the musculoskeletal system, anything that's held long enough is going to create a change.
0: Even we, athletes, right? I just ran a half marathon on Saturday, so I'm probably sitting here kind of misaligned.
1: <laughs> we, well, athletes are probably some of our best patients. Mm-hmm. And it's intermittent athletes that are our best patients. So golfers are wonderful because they spend most of the winter sitting around watching golf. Right. And then when the weather changes, they go out and play golf like the guys they've been watching, and that becomes a problem. Yeah. Auto mm-hmm. accidents, yard work, you name it.
0: So that's what mulch brings... Mulch is the best. Mulch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mulch is the best.
0: Well, shoveling snow is is bad, too. We had a it pretty is. bad winter. So, uh, and then the other thing I like about coming to your practice is you guys really endorse the importance of strengthening the core to stay in alignment. So you, not only do you do the uh, the adjustments, but then you educate your patients on the importance of keeping the core strong and teaching exercises to do that. And I think that's really, that's a, you want to talk about? It's key. Yeah.
1: Um, we, we, we're we're only as good as you describe really for a reason. Chiropractors are not out there lobbying for prescription rights. We don't want to lose this ability to treat pain and dysfunction with with me, without using medication, by using our hands, by using functional methods. We don't want to fall into that trap. So we want to be able to keep the medication use a minimum. Um, you obviously read every day about the abuse of medication and you know how it falls into our youth hands, and mm-hmm. people abuse it, they become addicted, um, and just ruins lives and careers. Yeah. And that's really something we have to be aware of.
0: Are you learning anything from your work in the Integrative Pain Clinic at the University of Maryland about uh, pain management? Is there anything on the horizon that looks promising?
1: There's a lot of things on the horizon that are promising. I teach a class in pain for the um, fourth-year medical students and also when we do uh, conferences. And one of the big things we know about pain is there are no pain sensors in the body at all. Hmm. All pain is an experience in the brain. You have sensors in your body that just detect pressure, temperature, movement, and you have special sensors that are called nociceptors. That means when the pressure is a little high or when things are a little different, those sensors are triggered and they send an alarm into your spinal cord. Mm. Your spinal cord then says a message to your brain that says, hey, this is different than usual. Can you kind of compare this to something else we might have seen in the past and tell me if this is dangerous? And if the brain says, yeah, that's really dangerous, then you have pain because pain is there to protect you. Mm. So when you have pain, it says, avoid this, get away from that, pull away from that, do whatever you can to get away from that situation. So if you look at the emergency room, for example, it's estimated that 40 percent of people that go to the emergency room with horrific injuries are there with they, they don't have any pain and they're not in shock. They can talk to you. One of the biggest comments from people that are in like bitten by a shark is. all I felt was a bump. Wow! So they don't feel pain. So pain is totally an output of the brain so we're learning about this and then we're learning how to use manual therapy, nutrition, psychology, um, different things we do with imaging is how you look at things and look at others um, all to help modulate that pain with patients and we've seen some really interesting things. On top of this we look at people's nutritional status if they need intravenous infusions of nutrients, we can do that. Um, if they need acupuncture for helping externally with pain control, we have all those things at our disposal. So the integrated pain clinic is fantastic because the person comes in, and these are usually chronic pain patients. Sure. They're seen by a, a, a an initial medical evaluation by a, a medical doctor who understands all these integrated modalities and they order blood work and any other studies that need to be done, look at the patient's history, take a very extensive social history, Then and they need to, then they decide kind of in a triage way, okay, your best modality is going to be here and here to start with. Or I want you to go get a musculoskeletal assessment. You need a, a Chinese medicine assessment. And so we're learning how to put those pieces together and create the most efficient model for people so that we can help them manage their pain.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. That's amazing. Being able to avoid those those. Pain medicines is, is really important, I think. Give us some examples of success stories that you may have had. Can you talk about some patients without, of course, sure. giving names that sure. have come in and, you know, maybe had just changed their lives?
1: Um, you know, we see those, you know, um, it's almost, you almost take things for granted sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have a gentleman who came in not too long ago, and he has a herniated disc in his lower back, and he's been taught a, a series of exercises over the past that just continue to actually cause his problem. So he would mm. his exercises actually reinforce the problem that he has. So we assessed him, figured out okay, here's where your joints aren't functioning well. We did some manipulation with the joints there and then I taught him a, a completely different series of exercises and he's had no pain for 2 years now and he was one of these, you know, every month his back was going out. kind of gentleman. So he was very, very interesting, very exciting. Um, I have a patient who had pain in both of her feet, intractable pain. She used to dance. She couldn't dance. She's 60 years old. And um, she went to a foot doctor who the first one said, well, your feet are too tight. You need to go to the physical therapist. They need to mobilize your feet and make them move better. She did that. No change in her foot pain. So she then went to the um, another podiatrist who said, well, all that loosening has made your feet too loose. Now we need to put you in all these Mm -hmm. orthotics and special shoes and all this sort of thing. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I really don't think that there's really anything wrong with your feet at all. And I gave her a lot of information about pain education, like we're talking about for the Integrated Pain Center. And within just learning, only learning. I I didn't even touch her, and although I'm a chiropractor, that's what I'm supposed to do, and that's what we're talking about. She was so dramatic that she was back to dancing within four months, walking barefoot on the beach, buying any pair of shoes she wanted to, and having no more foot pain.
0: That's incredible. It's
1: really interesting, so pain's an interesting facet. And then there was the time a Young lady came in the office. She was about thirty, and she had a, a young child. And she had been picking up the child, and she developed acute middle back pain behind her shoulder blade, and the pain went all the way through to her chest. She felt it was Ugh. like someone was stabbing her right through. She couldn't take a deep breath, um, couldn't, and had had it for several weeks. So we assessed her, and it was very clear that the joint where the rib on the left side attaches to the spine was not functioning or not moving well. So I laid her on her stomach on the table, and your, the the cracker pop that's so famous right. it was just very very noticeable when we manipulated her. She kind of gave a little yelp, and I was like, "Uh oh, what's going on there?" And she got up off the table, and she took a deep breath in, and she moved and turned, and that was it. She was done.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's All the fixed. worst when you yeah. have that pain and you can't get a deep breath. Yeah. That's just
1: the worst. Yeah. She could not gather a deep breath. and her, She had been to her physician and um, she went back to him and said, my chiropractor told me I had a rib that was out of line. He said, oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Mm. But yeah. that's how that goes. Yeah.
0: The goes. changes don't always happen right away, but it, no. it does happen pretty quickly.
1: We Seems we like. like to see um, with our patients if I accept somebody as a case, we like to see good change happening in two weeks. Wow. If mm. I don't see good change happening in two weeks, then we need to look again, get imaging, you know, maybe some lab work, things like that. Things mechanical stuff changes quickly.
0: Mm. No, yeah. No matter, if there's a problem, it's no matter just who we are. It. Yep. Yeah. I think when I first started I was going a lot more regularly. Now I just go in for a tune up. Like well, people, month?
1: people like I said, I like to see change in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we might work with somebody four to six weeks total, but we're well into rehabilitating them. Obviously, we want to get the pain out of there. But we want to really change the way they're using their body and reprogram. And that's, that's where the bulk of good treatment is, is getting you reprogrammed.
0: Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about how to find a good practitioner because just like uh, medical doctors, there's good ones and bad ones and more experienced ones. What's the key to finding a good chiropractic uh, practitioner in, in their area?
1: Well, the, the thing I would do is obviously talk to somebody there are lots of people that use, that overuse x-rays, so you really want to avoid overuse of x-rays. Most people between the ages of, say, 18 and 50 or 60 really don't require x-rays unless you have trauma or there's a history of cancer or something like that. X-rays just don't show alignment. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, An x-ray. Okay. Okay. In fact, you know, we knew this in chiropractic school, you could put an x-ray up in front of 10 chiropractors and get 10 different ideas about where the misalignment was. So we really use a very detailed functional exam to find out where are things going wrong. So
0: you can feel the alignment? Feel and watch
1: the movement. Okay. Watch their movement. So that's what you're looking for there. And you also have, you can also reproduce their symptoms. So you want to be able to reproduce their symptoms a good chiropractor doesn't have a crystal ball that really goes any further than four weeks. So if Mm -hmm. somebody's telling you, oh, we'll see you three times a week for six months, that's probably not what you want to do. If they're telling you we're going to treat you three times a week for four weeks, then we're going to re-X-ray you to see how your X-ray changes, that's probably not what you're going to want to do because we're going by how your physical function is and we don't treat X-rays.
0: Okay, so watch out for that. And then make Mm -hmm. sure they're accredited. Oh, yeah,
1: they need to be licensed in the state of Maryland and graduate from an accredited chiropractic college and so forth. The state licensing uh, really weeds out Anything that's going to be dangerous for you. Now, we have a very um, active board of examiners that really keeps our practitioners in, in in ethical, good ethical standards.
0: Sure. And then insurance. Talk about insurance and where are we? Where do we stand with Almost coverage? all
1: insurances cover chiropractic. Medicaid doesn't. Hmm. Medicare covers the actual chiropractic manipulation. It oddly enough doesn't cover an examination, even though I'm required to examine you to decide where I'm going to treat you. And even though all the studies tell us that the best protocol is manipulation combined with exercise, Medicare does not pay for any of the physical modalities a chiropractor would use other than manipulation, um, even though it works for people. Hmm. Um, so that's that needs changing. The that Affordable does. Care Act has actually been helpful for us. Um, we've gotten a much... Um, more equal playing field, parity and reimbursement, if you will. So, any provider who is licensed to provide a service gets reimbursed at the same rate across the field. So it's helped the chiropractor there, and also helps patient access yeah. that sort of thing. But almost every insurance company has some level of chiropractic care. The issues are the high copays that people have now. Sometimes copays are higher than an office visit costs, and the high deductibles, which you know, a typical if you had a herniated disc in my office, you wouldn't spend more than $2,000, even if you were heading for surgery or something, to get yourself taken care of. Um, and some people's deductibles are much higher than that. Right, right. So that's an issue that we have.
0: What is the best thing about being a chiropractor for you personally? I,
1: I think the <laughs> constant change and challenge in the profession. Um, It has grown so much in the 25 years that I've been doing this, and it just keeps you really interested. The ability to help people without giving them a drug or without sending them to surgery and watching them walk out of your office, and they're just so happy, and they can lift their child again. They can get in their car without pain. They can go play golf again. They're back rollerblading. They're running, um, you know, a 25-mile run, whatever yeah. they're doing, and, and they're doing it because of some things that you help them achieve.
0: That's cool. So tell me the truth. The first time you did one of those neck things where you had to turn the head, in, did, were you a little nervous about that? I was
1: more nervous about having my neck <laughs> turned <laughs> <laughs> ha- than working on somebody else. It, it, it is uh, nervous, it, it, but it's, it's very safe. The risk is extremely low of having a problem with that, um, and in school, we're taught just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. So we have an instructor's hands on our hands as we're handling someone's neck or back or whatever part of their body. So it's a, it's a real mentorship kind of thing as you learn the skills for to be a, someone who's a competent manipulator.
0: Yeah, so you, yeah. C- you
1: can't read about it in a book. You can't watch it on TV. It's just not going to happen.
0: I just can't even imagine doing it. But every time your wife mm-hmm. takes care of my neck, I'm telling you, it's You're like, good go. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm yeah. like so appreciative. Well, for more information about your practice and more information about chiropractic in general, can you give us uh, some places to go on the web?
1: Sure. Um, my website, www.MorrisonChiropractic.com, we have a really nice patient education section on there. You do, you do. And um, you could call the office. My staff is very well-educated. You can call and ask to speak to one of the doctors. I'd be happy to speak to anybody who has a, an issue or a concern or something that they're uh, um, curious about. Um, my office is in Ellicott City, and my wife's office is in Clarksville. Maryland. Maryland, OK. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you want phone numbers or anything. Well, they can like probably
0: that. find it on, on the, the website, um, yeah. on the website. And then for more information about chiropractic in general, the American
1: Chiropractic Association really is your best. Okay. Source. They're a nationwide uh, organization. Most chiropractors belong to the American Chiropractic Association. Uh, very well organized website and full of good, factual, referenced information.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. This has been really sure. interesting. I learned so much more about chiropractic than I I already liked it. So well,
1: there you go. <laughs>
0: but I'm 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 really impressed with the um, wealth of knowledge. Say, you guys have and and well, and keep you. up the good work.
1: Thank you. Keep it's, cracking we, those we, necks. Yeah, we do it all for the <laughs> patients, you know, it's it's just to help people get on with their yeah. lives and have a better quality of life. Is really it's a
0: really a healing mission right? for, for the best of yes. Thank you so much. Welcome.